0: Marie, philosopher, entrepreneur with almost 10 years of career and business mentoring under my belt. My purpose in life? World peace, of course, but in a slightly humbler fashion, helping people to say fuck it and free themselves from the stuff that keeps them from living fully. Get unstuck. Get unstuck. Happy Monday! I received so many messages about last week's episode on Creative Flow. I knew I was among like minded spirits. It's so great to be here with you all. This week, I have an important topic I want to tackle. One that plagues me and so many people I work with imposter syndrome. You know, that feeling that it's only a matter of time before people will find out you actually don't know what you're doing? even though everyone around you seems to think that you do? Just last week, Nina, a super talented client photographer who'd been given a big commercial shoot contract, shared how she felt like a fraud doing that job and that she wished she would have done things better, even though she did everything she could and more, under a lot of pressure of a demanding client that gave her little support and barely enough time to do her job. Because she felt so much like a fraud, now that she had to rework the pictures and make sure the client got all of the pictures that they needed, she was procrastinating on that. And it was really because she felt the imposter syndrome so much. I've been plagued with the feeling that it's only a matter of time before someone finds out I don't really know what I'm talking about, that I'm not qualified for the job, that even though I've done well in the past, I probably won't do well in the future. I think that on and off all the time. It comes in waves. I have moments of confidence and creative energy when I feel I can take on the world and produce a lot of work. And then other times I feel like I'm worthless and that somebody is about to expose me as a fraud. And this is so common. I hear stories like this all the time. And the reason is imposter syndrome is real and it's a burden for many creatives and entrepreneurs. At its core, it's about not being able to internalize your accomplishments. Whatever you achieve, whatever your success is, you simply don't allow yourself to see or feel it. Now, let's talk about that for a minute because it's really important. Why is it so hard for so many of us to accept that we're good at something, to appreciate our successes, to believe that we're capable? The answer is complex, but for many people, it's rooted in the need to be accepted by others. Not feeling good enough as we are is part of this as well, because we compare ourselves to those around us and feel like we're constantly falling short. But we don't realize that we're only seeing a curated version of everybody else's life. We hardly ever see their struggles, their fears and insecurities, So we feel even more like imposters when we see other people's successes. We constantly strive to meet certain expectations of what success should look like or feel like. And if we don't fit that ideal version of success, we conclude that we suck. Another thing that I heard about imposter syndrome recently comes from Sharu Izadi in an interview with Stephen Bartlett. And yes, again, I am quoting the diary of a CEO, but I just love that podcast so much. So I'll add the link in the show notes. So Sharu has two interesting ideas about where imposter syndrome comes from. And why we're not able to internalize our accomplishments. The first one is shame and guilt. Sharu is an anti-diet advocate and someone who has overcome an eating disorder and works with people suffering from addiction. Now, people with mental illness, addiction or an eating disorder have a lot of shame and guilt about their behavior. Because of this, it's difficult for them to acknowledge their professional accomplishments because many feel ashamed about so many other things that they won't allow themselves to internalize what they're actually capable of and what they're accomplishing. I want to extrapolate that based on what I see in my practice and the many stories from my own life and that of my clients, we all have things we're ashamed of and feel guilty about. It might be something we're doing or thinking, and this is really important, when nobody's watching. We all have secrets about who we truly think we are. We all have things we would like to do or say, but don't because of our need for social acceptance. These can be small things, how we think about ourselves, how we talk to ourselves, and what makes us feel guilty when nobody else is around. We carry these secrets with us everywhere. And sometimes, even if on a superficial level, we've achieved a lot and everything looks great inside, it's hard for us to accept our successes because of these inner feelings of guilt and shame. And the thing is that it's almost as if because it feels too good, it's too undeserved because we have this other side to ourselves that nobody knows about, but that we then think is the real side and that there's something wrong with that. Now, the second thing that I got from Sharu Izadi's interview is a trick that she shared. She said that when you give yourself permission to find what is difficult, difficult, even if it's super easy for other people, something extraordinary happens. It tends to have a significant positive impact on your imposter syndrome. So she said to find something difficult that others find a no-brainer, accept that it was hard for you to do and feel proud about it. There's a lot of truth to this. In my own life, I've been working hard to become better at things, and it always starts with little things. A side effect of using my own measuring tape for what is hard for me, irrespective of what is hard for someone else, has made me feel prouder and less like an imposter over time. It's a process, obviously, but it will help you internalize your accomplishments better. You have to be honest and look at what is difficult for you, even if others don't consider it as as hard as it was for you. It can be anything, from talking to strangers, on finishing a laundry basket, to eating the vegetables that would typically die in your fridge. (laughs) I know that one (laughs) all too well, I have to say. But every time that I do cook those vegetables, just when they're on the verge of like... Having to be thrown away, I feel so proud of myself. So the point is not to compare yourself or try to do things as others do them, but to find a new appreciation of doing what is hard for you and comes easy to others. I used to compare myself to my partners, and I'm sure I'm not alone with this. The people that live with us, that are the closest to us, of course we're going to compare ourselves to them, but it's just not fair comparison. Because I would measure my shortcomings to what I was capable of or afraid of compared to what they were capable of or afraid of. One of the longest and most significant relationships that I've had was with someone addicted to adrenaline. And this was like really hard. Like if it could fly, float on water, slide down a snow slope or race on a track, he wanted to have it. And now that I'm saying this, I'm really wondering what I was thinking, starting a relationship with a person like that and thinking it would actually work since I'm a nerdy bookworm who doesn't like speedy things at all. I'm very happy with my books, my computer, my podcast, you know. I know better now. But at the time, I thought that my different taste for life and how I wanted to live it, which is with my feet tightly on the ground and not moving too fast if possible, thank you very much, was a failure and shortcoming on my part. In fact, for most of my life, I thought that anything someone else liked and that I had trouble doing or didn't like was a flaw in me. I had to work hard to break that thought pattern and recognize that many things come easy for some people, but not for others. In the case of that ex, he'd been put on boats, planes and skis since the age of five. It was second nature to him, while I had only had those experiences well into adulthood. So from the start. It was an unfair comparison. I was really comparing apples with, I don't know, slices of Cajun chicken or something. But I didn't see it that way at the time. I could only see that I was flawed and that I expected much more from myself than what I was actually able to to offer simply because I wasn't that kind of person. It's normal and okay, even if it feels like an embarrassment when someone else does something easier or better than you. There are no fixed success or achievement standards. It's whatever works for you. It can be really brave, actually, to accept what is difficult for us and give ourselves credit for the effort we put into doing it despite our fear or anxiety. It can also be so liberating and fun. This can make a huge difference in how we see ourselves and conquer imposter syndrome. And it allows us to celebrate our successes, all of them, instead of constantly moving the goalposts to the next achievement. Another issue I had with imposter syndrome is that I always tended to overprepare and overperform for most things I did, and I was constantly craving feedback to reassure me that I was actually doing okay. Though I somehow, deep down, knew that I was probably more than okay, since I was I was consistently working to stay way above that okay line in my mind, because that's all I'd ever accept for myself anyway. So I would set a high standard that I then felt I had to continue to meet, a standard that people then thought came effortlessly to me because that was, you know, what I would produce. And so they demanded more and more of it. And since I doubled as a people pleaser, I didn't dare to say no. See how it quickly becomes this vicious triangle between imposter syndrome, perfectionism and people pleasing? It was absolutely horrible and the worst part, I never enjoyed any of the things I achieved. Elsa, a super fun creative generalist client, told me in a session a few months back that she couldn't find the motivation to do anything that wasn't painful. Now, she wasn't talking about physical torture, thank goodness. She meant anything that didn't require her to suffer mentally through fear, stress, anxiety, or not knowing how to do the thing. I see a connection with what I said before she couldn't internalize the accomplishments of her natural talents and abilities. Things that came easy for her weren't real accomplishments in her mind, so it had to hurt and be difficult. But then, when she had accomplished something challenging and difficult, she felt like a fraud because it had been so hard and she wasn't happy either. So she immediately went on to look for the next challenge. The solution for her and all of us with imposter syndrome is first to recognize our unique talents, skills, aptitudes and capabilities. We must be honest about the things we can do well and those that don't come as easily. Then we must replace the old idea of success that is material and all about what others see we accomplish with one that celebrates effort over outcome. It's not about what you're able to do, but how much effort you put into it, whether you succeed or fail in the end. The goal should be to live in a state of appreciation and joy over any little thing that makes us feel good. Even if others don't see its value or importance, it doesn't matter. It's really about you because it's your life. So the next time you start feeling guilty about something that might have been slightly easier for your friends or colleagues, acknowledge it was hard, but yet you can still be proud of yourself for what you have achieved. And the same goes for things that come easy to you. This is important because it's an issue for many creative entrepreneurs and creative generalists. It's not because you know how to do something that everyone knows how to do it. If you do a good job at something, even if you feel it's super easy to do and everybody must be capable of doing it, which again is not the case, I just want to make sure you understand that, you deserve to be proud of yourself and congratulate yourself for a job well done. Finally, remember to believe that you're enough and that what you think about yourself doesn't make you unworthy of your accomplishments. We all have secrets and believe crazy things about ourselves. But those are just thoughts. It's not the truth. So I want to encourage you to look inward. Observe your thoughts when you're thinking about success or failure. And recognize what emotions go along with them. Yay! That's it for today! I hope you found something that resonates with you and helps you to stop feeling like a fraud. Because you're not, you're a fantastic, creative human being. Before I go, here's this week's Fuck It, Let's Do It experiment. This week, I would love for you to let go of the need to accomplish things all the time and instead come up with a list of things that bring you joy. It doesn't matter if it's big or small, just make sure to do one thing off that list every day this week and take some time to appreciate yourself for giving yourself that gift. If you want to step it up a little, here's a little act of daily rebellion for this week. Whenever someone compliments you on anything, just say thank you. Don't downplay it, don't dismiss it, just be thankful. It won't be easy at first, but I promise you, if you keep at it, it will change how you feel about yourself. Have a wonderful week filled with badassery and courage. Bye for now. Talk to you next week. Just a heads up. I'm not a therapist or a doctor, so if you're not feeling your best mentally or physically and you need some help, please make sure to consult with a medical professional or a therapist.